1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. On their back for Florida, they've got to be alert to this ball being tipped. He missed it. It's tipped. It's controlled by Florida, and the Gators get a huge win on the road. And they take it in overtime and beat Kentucky. Wow, 94-91. And there's Edie. Clutch free throw number one. We're top. Bowie into the backcourt. Off he goes with three seconds. With two seconds, the floater short. Edie rebounds it. He wanted a timeout. Embiid loses it, hits the floor, trying to save it. Ball knocked around. Curry, he's got the angle and the bucket. Joel Embiid is down on the ground. Embiid needed some time just to collect himself. Athletic training staff came over, and now Embiid will head to the locker room. Okay, JJ, if there's something going on. Durant. Kevin Durant with the right-hand hammer. Jock Vaughn pleading for a travel, but Scott Foster quickly pointed and said, nope, that was legal. Here to 43 for the homestanding Ducks. Perez. Nice. Phillips. And it's swiped by Bartholomew. What a recovery by Bartholomew. Should have been an easy dunk for Phillips. Bartholomew for three. Yes, sir. On the high side, timeout ASU. Tie game. Perfect. Oregon State has a timeout if they want it. No, Wayne saying go for it. Too, too slow. They wasted five, five seconds. seconds. Jordan Pope for the win. Oh! Oh! One more look. Jordan Pope, a new career high. And Jordan Pope calls game. One of the greatest games I've ever seen here. He was emphatic about coming back next year. He said 100% he'll play <laughs> somewhere next year. Will it be Seattle? Smith going up top for Lockett in the end zone. Drops it in for the touchdown. 34 yards to Tyler Lockett. And Seattle an extra point away from tying it up or a two-point try from taking the lead, and they're going to go for two. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, February 1st edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2100.7, college hoops are enjoying the more competitive season. The Sixers, should they trade Joel Embiid after this season? Kevin Durant and the Suns, uh, basically the, the return, return last night to Brooklyn. Is the Suns' big three working? ASU and the U of A, what are you looking for tonight? And also the Seahawks was hiring Mike McDonald the right move. And what else caught your eye since our last show? 
Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15 or so around college basketball with Kerry Miller from Bleacher Report. Yet another top 10 upset last night that you heard at the top of the uh, show there with uh, the highlight from Kentucky losing at home to Florida. 10-30, it'll be interactive action at 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some local roundup and some bottom line stuff. Final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup, top by the latest line. This uh, for Super Bowl 58, also some rip from the headlines from the wire and time pending some uh, from the scoreboard college basketball last night. Then after the sports um, uh, from 11 to 1 o'clock, it'll be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll include uh, more phone call time at 602-260-1060. Right now, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, are you enjoying the more competitive college basketball season, which has included many more upsets of the top 10 teams? And Corey is here and has the early returns. Leading right now is yes, uh, 71% there, no at 29%, KDUS1060.com. Two theories that I've heard most is that, one, there's no com- really dominant team in college basketball, and two, there are many more older teams in the sport because of the transfer portal and the sixth year, the COVID sixth year of eligibility. All right, from the Tuesday scoreboard, 10th-ranked Kentucky, as we mentioned, lost in Lexington to unranked Florida, while Purdue escaped in overtime to avoid a second, sta- a second loss this season to Northwestern. Northwestern's a feisty little team, by the way. Uh, unfortunately, for them last night, they were a little team, and they couldn't deal with Zach Eady when it mattered. Uh, so uh, we'll get more of that in the next segment with uh, with Kerry. All right, today's X-Poll question. Should the 76ers consider trading Joel Embiid after this season? And, Corey, what do we have here? Pretty close, though. No leading. 60% of the vote there. Yes, at 40%. KDUSAM1060 on X. Embiid is expected to miss more time after he was sent to back home to Philadelphia from San Francisco for further examination following his Tuesday night knee injury in uh, that game against the Warriors in San Francisco. Meanwhile, on the local front, Kevin Durant took over, scoring 33 points in his return to Brooklyn in the Suns' 136-120 victory over the shorthanded Nets. Is the Suns' big three working? Meanwhile, the Sun Devils and Wildcats, they need wins. ASU has lost four out of five since winning their first four Pac-12 conference games, while the U of A cannot afford another loss. Uh, They can't afford losing at home, period. Uh, They've actually lost the majority of their games away from McHale Center since December the 1st. So, what do you want to see tonight at home from ASU in the U of A versus Stanford and Cal, respectively? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Seahawks went from young to old. They went from the oldest coach in the NBA in the NFL, excuse me, with Pete Carroll, now down to the youngest with the hiring of uh, previous Ravens defense coordinator Mike McDonald, uh, who got a six-year contract, by the way, from the Seahawks to be their head coach. Six years. Whew, that's pretty good. Uh, good for him and hopefully good for the Seahawks. 
Uh, was hiring Mike McDonald the right move for the Seahawks? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today with all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at x.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update that will be followed by around college basketball. Kerry Miller from Bleacher Report. A lot going on in the sport. Some conferences are power conferences, Big 12. Uh, some are not, Pac-12, ECC. Uh, we'll cover uh, those things and much more with Mr. Miller in the next segment. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some bottom line answers from the pipeline questions that you just heard and time pending. Uh, once again, at the bottom of the hour, a little local roundup with some Suns and Nets analysis from Wednesday night. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Listener rewards for you with the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, your home of the Dan Patrick Show. Live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Wednesday night, college basketball included yet another top 10 team falling to an unranked opponent. Out to the uh, KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports room by Kerry Miller of Bleacher Report. Kerry, always good to have you on the show. Let's talk about the season in general here. It's been filled with multiple top 10 opponents losing to ranked opponents, including last night with Kentucky losing at home to Florida. Why have there been so many surprising results uh, in the first part of the season or first half of the season, roughly now? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, nobody is elite this year. I think it's a, you know, certainly a combination of not a strong freshman class at all, and you still have the COVID year. You know, you got a lot of fifth year, even some sixth year seniors out there. So there's just you know, it laid the groundwork for more parity than usual in a sport where, you know, the divide between the haves and the have-nots have been decreasing as is. Um, so I think it's just a kind of bizarre year in that regard, but we'll see. I mean, it's always around this time of year that it just feels like nobody's great and nobody even deserves to be in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting deal this year for sure. So who are the closest teams to being elite, at least this year, in college basketball? Yeah, I think it's Connecticut and Purdue are pretty clearly a cut above the rest. Um, you know, they're not breaking ground there. They're number one and number two in the AP poll, and they've been 
kind of battling each other for that top spot all season long. But yeah, I think Connecticut is probably the best team. Very, very real shot at repeating would be the first since Florida in the mid 2000s. But I mean, they're they're loaded. Um, you know, with a healthy Donovan Klingon, with a you know, they have one of the few freshmen who actually is a difference maker in Steph Castle. When they've been healthy, they've been they've been so tough to beat. And then with Purdue, if you can get over the fact that they've lost to a double-digit seed in three consecutive NCAA tournaments, yeah. they're they're in good position to to be that team to beat. I mean, Zach Eady is most likely going to win National Player of the Year again, and I think his supporting cast is better than it was last year with Braden Smith really developing and and bringing in Lance Jones as one of those fifth-year seniors who transferred in from Southern Illinois. Okay, so you mentioned those two guys that have you know been added to the roster, and you mentioned the Purdue history. So, is this Purdue team, uh, which escaped an overtime last night against Northwestern, is, is this Purdue team different than what we've seen in the past? It should be. We'll see. Uh, I mean, we felt that way with uh, Rick Barnes' teams at Tennessee, and then they just keep letting us down in March. I think we're at that point with Matt Painter's teams where there's just something about them that is not built for the stretch run in, in March. I don't, I don't know if it's just the simple fact that, you know, you got to have elite guards in the tournament and Painter seems to always have a seven foot four dominant player as his best player. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but yeah, they just, they just need to lob it up to Edie more than they did against Fairleigh Dickinson last year. And I got to hope that at least one of Braden Smith or Fletcher lawyer shows up in a big way with uh, three pointers. Cause you know, last year they were the, the freshman tandem in the backcourt and you know, they really fell apart in, in several games prior to the tournament. And they were kind of brutal in that loss to a 16 seed. But this year pretty consistently, at least one of them shows up on a nightly basis. And in that, that big win against Arizona back in whatever, December, November, they were both excellent. Like that, that was kind of the, you know, the top, the peak of what uh, Purdue could be. Back to Connecticut for a second. How would you compare them to the team that won the national championship last year? Yeah, I think they're the only real question I have is who is their Andre Jackson this year? Like he was just that, mm-hmm. that dude who was just, insane on defense you know, he was going to lock you down no matter what i mean they're they can score with anybody they can be tough against anybody i think castle could be that guy for them um again he missed some time early in the year he's still he, he was great last night against um that ah, who was even playing providence uh, he had 20 providence, points in that yeah. one and uh yep. you know if he if he continues to develop like he could i mean he can be that you know, three and D elite type of guy who, who's going to very likely be a lottery pick if he goes one and done, but not, not entirely sure they have that, you know, individual difference maker on defense that they had last year, but that's the only real complaint. Man, they can, they can shoot the lights out with, with Spencer and Caravan and Tristan Newton. When he decides to put the team on his back, he can carry them a long way. Talking college basketball with Kerry Miller from Bleacher Report. The Mountain West Conference, uh, they're going to have more teams in the NCAA tournament than the Pac-12. Why do you think uh, you know the Mountain West has surpassed the Big 12, the Pac-12, excuse me? Uh, and uh, who's the best team in the Mountain West? Yeah, that's a, I, I, I'll start with the latter question. I think it's 
New Mexico, not resume-wise, but you just watch them. They got dudes. <laughs> I mean, their backcourt of Donovan Dent, Jalen House, and Jamal Mashburn Jr. is kind of second to none. Um, JT Toppin is one of the best freshman big men in the country, and then they got um, Nelly Jr. Joseph, a transfer from Iona. Like, they're, I would take their starting five like against just about anybody in the country, and I think they've got a good chance on a neutral floor. Mm. As far as the, you know, why the league is better than the Pac-12, I mean, they were just so good in non-conference play. Like, those top five, six teams completely avoided suffering any bad losses. And, you know, sometimes that's all you really need to do to, I don't want to say game the system, but, you know, convince the, the net and the metrics that your league is really good. I mean, more than half of the league went through the first two months without suffering any bad losses. I mean, now they are taking losses at, at Wyoming, at UNLV, and those are it might keep the league from, you know, at one point we thought the Mountain West might be a six-bid league. I think probably five might be the ceiling now. But, yeah, they've got, they've got a lot of players, and that's another, you know, kind of a microcosm of what I was saying before where there's, you know, the freshman class isn't good, but a lot of fifth-year seniors. I think the, the leading scorer in the Mountain West among freshmen is, like, averaging eight points per game. They just have all these fifth-year seniors. Like, man, Isaiah Stevens. Mm-hmm feels like he's been there for a decade and he, he could be a <laughs> yeah. you know top 10 national player of the year at Colorado State uh, Jaden Ladee has been a huge breakout guy at San Diego State they just just a lot of really solid uh elderly players in that league if you will elderly all right uh from the Pac-12 uh the University of Arizona since December the 1st they have a losing record when they haven't played at home in McHale why is Tommy Lloyd's team struggled on the road like this I mean, I, certainly the Oregon State game was bizarre. Like, I think Oregon State shot 60% from three, and they were just like – it felt like they could have been, you know, Harlem globetrottering it from half court, just throwing it behind their back <laughs> and it would have gone in. It was nuts. But I, it, they've just had some, some tough luck on the defensive end of the floor for sure. I still think Arizona's among the contenders to win it all for sure. Um I mean, like you said, they, they've not been able to travel very well, but they did get a very nice win at Oregon. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. you know, that almost made them break even for the week, you know, from a bracketology perspective, uh, winning at Oregon, losing at Oregon State, whatever. That's like a, a net wash, and I think they're still looking good for a two seed. We'll just see how that three-point defense pans out the rest of the way. Yeah, the ACC uh, has really declined in quality the last couple of years. The ACC uh, has been elite for most of my literal 50 years of watching college basketball. What has happened to the quality depth of this conference? And, uh, you know, I think Carolina is pretty good. I'm not really sure what I think of Duke. So, you know, how would you sum up all that that I just spit out there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know why the, the depth is down. I mean, certainly the – you know, for a while there, it was right. Roy Williams, Mike Shashevsky, Jim Beheim, Rick Pitino. Like the league was just loaded with quality coaches. I mean, Leonard Hamilton yeah. used to be elite. Uh, I think he's probably past his prime now in his upper seventies. Uh, you know, I think the Tony Bennett's pack line defense. If they're not scoring, teams have kind of figured out how to score against them enough to to win those games in the 60s against them so i think virginia's really fallen back to the pack but yeah outside of duke and north carolina that league's 
kind of terrible. Like it's just like seven bubble teams. Uh, certainly Louisville being awful and Notre Dame being pretty Oof. terrible isn't helping matters. Uh, I don't think getting Cal, Stanford, and SMU in the league next year is going to do anything to help the basement of that league <laughs> improve. Um, so yeah, it's it's down and it, it might get even worse uh, next year with the whatever that'll be an 18 team league. Okay, so let's go to the not-so-good to the really good. The Big 12, this is just a, kind of a street fight every night, almost no matter who's playing. It's pretty pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it feels like there's at least two, three overtime games every week in the Big 12, yeah, certainly that's right. three times as many that come right down to the wire and decided by one or two points. I mean, it's, it's an incredible league for sure. Um, you know, there have been... Certainly, I have questioned the league's, you know, non-conference scheduling. Outside of Kansas and Baylor, the entire league just kind of took off the month of November and December. But if you're able to go 500 in this league, you're going to probably make the tournament anyway because you're going to have nine really good wins on your resume. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, as I've been saying all season, if you can only subscribe to one of the, you know, streaming league-specific networks, it's got to be the Big 12 network because it's always enjoyable to watch. It definitely is, no question. The SEC, I'm a little confused at what's going on here. Uh, you know, South Carolina has beaten Kentucky and Tennessee in the last eight days. Let's just start with them. Uh, Lamont Price has done a really good job turning around that program in a quick period of time. Uh, what do you think of the Gamecocks moving forward? Yeah, I don't even... I don't even fully understand how they won those games. They just, they seem to kind of punch Tennessee or excuse me, Kentucky in the mouth. You know, it was a, it almost felt like a trap game for the Wildcats. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I still don't know how that one got so out of hand so quickly, but the other night against Tennessee, they just like locked down everybody except for Dalton connect. He went off for 31 points and the rest of the team scored 28, which is, I think says more about, what's wrong with Tennessee as a title contender than necessarily what makes South Carolina a legitimate Final Four threat. But they brought in a good number of transfers. I mean, Michi Johnson from um, Ohio State previously, he's been so huge for them. Um, B.J. Mack came from uh, Wofford, uh, one of those you know, fifth-year transfer-type guys. He's just been clutch for them as well. So I, I don't know. They – South Carolina is always a tough team. I feel like they still have that kind of Frank Martin identity on defense. They still play that <laughs> slow, methodical, they're going to beat you up type approach. And you wonder if they can actually hit any shots to make up for it. But thus far, they've been making it work. Um, I don't think they're going to win the league. I don't even know if they'll finish top five in the league because the, the quartet of Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky is all you know, very, very good. But I do think South Carolina is very solidly in the tournament field. I would be shocked at this point if they don't dance. Why can't Kentucky get stops? I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're all we're all confused by that one. It's usually the kind of the identity of Calipari's teams, right? I mean, they'll get a you know a rim protector, which they they do have now. I mean, Ugana Yatsu was awesome last night uh in that mm -hmm. loss to florida he had like seven blocks career highs and points rebounds blocks and steals all in one game that's a pretty good game um and they lost their, their guards <laughs> just aren't doing much they uh 
they're doing a lot on offense. Specify that. I mean, Reeves is a great yeah. shooter. Shepard, Dillingham, all elite scorers. They're just not outside of Shepard getting like two steals per game. They're they're really not doing all that much in the uh, the backcourt defense. That's that's letting teams get comfortable in the half court, and that, that's kind of killing them repeatedly. Um, I mean, certainly the decision to not foul up three with five seconds left in regulation last night. That yeah, was, uh, that was a tough one. <laughs> There are a few things that drive me more nuts in sports than that. I mean, I sit here every night for the last 20 years just thinking, what the hell are they thinking or not thinking in some cases? Talking college basketball, Kerry Miller from Bleacher Report. Okay, it's going to be a great Saturday slash Sunday in college basketball. First, uh, I think it's the best two days of the week, uh, the best two days of the season, I should say, so far this year. Uh, one of those games is uh, you know, a couple teams we briefly discussed here, Tennessee at Kentucky. Uh, what do you expect to see in that game on Saturday? Yeah, there's, man, Saturday's, Saturday's crazy. Man, Duke, UNC, Houston, Kansas, Tennessee, Kentucky. There's a couple of other ones. I, I was putting together my uh, you know National Player of the Year rankings uh, yesterday, two days ago or whatever, and just every every slide I was writing like, well, let's – Let's see how he does Saturday in that marquee showdown. Like that was like seventy percent of the players. Like it's all going to come down to this day. But yeah, Tennessee and Kentucky. That's that might be one of the best games of the entire season. I mean, well, Dalton Connect if he's able to score, you know, thirty again. He's averaging almost thirty-two over his last six games. And as we just said, Kentucky's backcourt is not playing much defense. But that that could be a a dynamite showdown between Connect and and all of Kentucky's guards. I, I assume it's going to go right down to the wire. We've had a couple of Kentucky overtime classics lately, uh, Texas A&M, Florida last night. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this one goes to at least one overtime as well. First team to 90, I would say, but that uh, means that Tennessee has to score other than connect. Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, that's been the question all season long with Tennessee. I mean, they were <laughs> able to get there in that, that game against North Carolina. That was a 192, but yeah. we'll see if they can – top 85 and against Kentucky. Okay. Duke and Carolina, uh, in the Chapel Hill on, uh, on Saturday night, uh, you know, Duke, uh, you know, won earlier this week, Carolina got beat. I don't know if that was a look ahead thing for them or not, but, uh, I actually thought they were pretty good. They, they, they they're playing better defense this year. Why, why might that be? Yeah, they, they've been awesome on defense. And I think it's mostly the, uh, Harrison Ingram transferred in from Stanford and has been just feels like there are three copies of Harrison Ingram out on the court at any given time. He seems to be <laughs> everywhere. Um, so he's been, he's been really clutch for them. What's weird about North Carolina, Armando Baycott, right? Mr. Double double for most of his career hasn't had 10 points or 10 rebounds in any of his last three games. I don't know what's going on with him. I, hmm. I feel like their ceiling is lower if he doesn't, you know, bounce back to what he usually is but rj davis is still doing everything he can to carry them playing you know doing his uh buddy healed thing just scoring like crazy having a great senior year breakout <laughs> shooting the lights out from three-point range but i assume they'll get that win at home against duke who i, I think you kind of alluded to as well it feels like north carolina is great and it kind of feels like something's just lacking with duke even though they are you know a top 10 team it doesn't feel like they're quite there among the, the legitimate title contenders um but you know a road win over north carolina could change how we feel about that in a hurry 
Okay, Carrie, so what do you got coming up next with Bleacher Report? Uh, what can we read in the next few days here? Oh, I don't even know, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have a bracket. <laughs> well, I got some, I got some suggestions like for you. <laughs> hey, I'm always open to suggestions. <laughs> well, this, this, just, just, talk, just watch the Saturday games. That should be like five or six stories for you right there. Seriously. Yeah, it's going to be a going to be a wild day and then I think Purdue at Wisconsin on Sunday as well. Man, right. Right. Can't can't ask for more than that. Pretty good. Should be a fun weekend. Kerry, good talking to you. I'm sure we'll do this uh, a few more times be, uh, before the season ends and uh should be an interesting tournament because I'm not really sure from one day to the next day who is really good and who is not. <laughs> so it's uh confusing. Yeah, it's been one of those years for sure, but uh, it's good catching up with you, Bob. Take care. My pleasure. Carrie Miller from uh, Bleacher Report. Excellent stuff, as always. Coming up next, it'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, some uh, bottom-line answers from today's pipeline. And time pending, we'll get to some local roundup items, including uh, the uh, Suns and uh, Kevin Durant in his triumphant return. Uh, to Brooklyn last night. It wasn't triumphant for Brooklyn. It was triumphant for Durant and the Suns last night as uh, they outscored the shorthanded Nets. So we'll get into that a little bit in the next segment. But phone call time if you want to jump aboard. Once again, general discussion. 602-260-1060 will give you some uh, possible suggestions when we do a little bottom line in the next segment too. So uh, jump, you know, as I mentioned, jump aboard. we got time and room for you in the next segment. 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. And we got time at room. You can jump aboard here if you like. Kind of uh, hurting for phone calls here the last few days in this segment. So if you want to pick up the volume there, I'm in favor of it. 602-260-1060. First up, some bottom line answers from today's pipeline. Maybe you'd like to answer these questions, among other things. But in this general discussion, uh, we start with the Suns. Is the big three working? is the question. And my answer, the bottom line answer is yes and no. I think the big three is certainly, you know, working at the offensive end of the floor, which I expected uh, from really the you know, when, they, when this roster was formed during the offseason and poorly formed at that. But I think the Suns' big three is not necessarily working because the Suns are a six-man roster with legitimate NBA players. Uh, and that's not the fault of Bradley Buell. Devin Booker or Kevin Durant. They're doing the best they can, uh, but they can't do everything because they just don't have very many good teammates, quite frankly. Meanwhile, what do you want to see from uh, tonight from uh, ASU and the U of A and their home games against Stanford and Cal, respectively? The bottom line is ASU will need to play much better tonight at the offensive end of the floor, which has been uh, a problem for them. Uh, usually they're good on defense. They weren't last week against the Oregon schools at Oregon, but usually they win games because of defense and they get a lot of points on offense off their defense uh, with turnovers and so forth. But uh, Stanford is a very skilled offensive team. 
Uh, they don't guard anybody, but they're a highly skilled offensive team, so ASU is going to have to be, I think, more competent and uh, efficient at the offensive end of the floor tonight to win that game against uh, Stanford and Tempe. Meanwhile, the U of A, uh, they should basically you know, route Cal. Uh, Cal's improved, but I think Cal is still the least talented team in the Pac-12. Meanwhile, was hiring uh, Mike McDonald the right move for the Seahawks? The bottom line is you never know for sure uh, whether any assistant coach is going to be a good head coach, but I think the Seahawks did the right thing by hiring a coach with a defensive background. Uh, you know, and, you know, that's a good thing. And they've, they've got some offensive skill players for sure. Need to keep their offensive line healthy, but... Yeah, and going to the defensive side to try to build this team and get them better. I mean, they have a playoff offense uh, when healthy. They do not have a playoff defense, and they invested a whole lot of money last offseason to try to get better on the defensive side of the ball. And they were a little bit better, but not much better. Also from today's pipeline, the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Are you enjoying the more competitive college basketball season, which has included many more upsets with the top 10 teams falling on a regular basis, including last night uh, with Kentucky losing at home to Florida? We talked about that with Kerry in the last segment. Today's ex-poll question, should the 76ers consider trading Joel Embiid, uh, Embiid excuse me, after this season? And uh, we'll answer those two questions uh, during the uh, 1230 or so segment in the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla, so stay tuned for that. <clears throat> Clear my throat there. Okay, let's continue. Uh, today's uh, local roundup, let's start with the Suns from last night. Kevin Durant's return to Brooklyn. He led the way with 33 points. The Suns win 136-120. to 120. They're now 3-2 and two on the season-long seven-game road trip that concludes with games on Friday night in Atlanta and Sunday against uh, Washington, and that's Bradley Beal's return. So it's uh, quite the uh, reunion tour here for two of the Suns' big three. The Suns were three-point favorites last night. They took charge. They had a 20-6 run to take a 41-33 lead in the second quarter. They actually trailed 59-58, but then they regained control and dominated the third quarter. They actually made 14 of their last 16 field goal attempts in the uh, to end the third quarter to take a 106-87 lead entering the fourth quarter. About the only negative from the Suns last night is the fourth quarter woes of all season long uh, in many games, seemingly almost every game. They continued. Uh, they were never in danger of losing last night, but the starters once again, much like the Miami game, had to play extra minutes instead of getting some much-needed rest. Uh, you know, basically Frank Vogel had to leave them on the floor. You know, they didn't. A couple of them didn't even start the fourth quarter. But once the uh, you know, fourth quarter started badly for the Suns, and I think that Vogel did the right thing by reinserting the starters because he had to do it at that point. But that would have been a nice time to get some rest for guys that have played a whole lot of minutes, especially Duran and Booker. Meanwhile, the Nets had an interesting strategy last night. Head coach uh, Jacques Vaughn uh, and his staff, uh, they basically dared Yusuf Nurkic to beat them, and Nurkic made the Nets pay. The Nets uh, you know, one of the shortest teams in the NBA, not much length, and even the front court players 
Nurkic certainly took advantage of that with 28 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. He made 11 out of 15 field goal attempts. But it was like they're just going to let him do what he wants and they're going to stop the other guys. Well, they didn't stop Nurkic and they didn't stop the other guys. So it didn't work out terribly well. I actually thought it was not a bad strategy at all, but uh, it backfired badly. So how did the former sons, Mikael Bridges and uh, you know Cam Johnson, do last night? Well, Bridges had 21 points on 7 out of 16 shooting. That was pretty good because he started 1 for 5. He ended up 7 out of 16. Johnson finished with 28 points. He made 6 out of 12 shots. Personnel news, the Suns were without Grayson Allen last night. He aggravated a previous injure, uh, injured ankle uh, in the uh, Monday night victory at Miami. Uh, the Nets were without two of their best players because of injury, De'Ron Sharp with a knee injury and also Dorian Finney-Smith uh, with an ankle injury. Also, the almost always Ben Simmons was out with a knee contusion. The bottom line, the Suns are now 11-6 and six, with Beal, Booker, and Durant all playing uh, in the same game. So the Suns are now sixth as far as the Western Conference standings. Remember the way that the playoffs are set up now with the uh, – you know, the uh, play-in tournament or whatever they call that uh, with the 7th, uh, 8th, ninth, and 10th seeds playing to you know, get into the playoffs, so to speak. Uh, the Suns are 6. You do not want to fall below 6 because uh, you don't want to put yourself in danger of a possible upset and losing in that you know, play-in tournament and not even making the playoffs. So the Suns are now 6. They're only one game ahead of New Orleans, who is 7th, two games ahead of Dallas, who is 8th. The Suns, however, not much of a chance, at least mathematically at the moment. Well, mathematically, that's a wrong statement, my bad. But, yeah, they're four games behind in the loss column. Uh, Denver's in fourth right now with 16 losses. Sacramento sitting uh, with 19 losses. And once again, the Suns at 20. All right, next segment, we will wrap up today's spectacular radio program, the one-hour extravaganza known as the Sports Zone. Uh, that'll be after Corey's news update, and we'll have uh, the updated line for uh, you know Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Actually, there's no updates since yesterday, or new no new you know, same numbers as yesterday. We'll let you uh, know what those numbers are in case you weren't keeping score yesterday. Uh, we'll also get to uh, some from the rip, rip from the headlines from the wire, and time bending some college basketball scoreboard items from last night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. And the National Roundup starts with the latest line for Super Bowl 58. And there's no change from yesterday. Uh, the opening line, if you want to go back to Sunday night, well, the Chiefs opened at two. Excuse me, the, the 49ers opened at two and a half. I do that every day. Freudian slip thing again. Uh, I haven't given an official prediction, but I keep saying the Chiefs are favored or not. Uh, the 49ers are two and a half point favored in the opening number. The total was 48. And uh, the last couple of days, it's been 49ers now down to two. And the uh, total sitting at 47.5. It actually was 1.5 for a couple days earlier this week, but it's back up to two, the, uh, 2 with the 49ers, the favorite. 
Okay, kind of empty the bucket here a little bit as far as some rip from the headlines and from the wire, a combination thereof. Let's start with the NFL. The Packers are reportedly hiring Mark Halfley as their defensive coordinator. Halfley is leaving Boston College as the head coach uh, to go to Green Bay. Halfley, among other things, uh, had a college stop at Ohio State. And he did a nice job defensively. That was toward the end of the Urban Meyer era before he got the job as the head coach at Boston College. The Rams interviewed former defensive coordinator Brandon Staley, who was obviously failed miserably as the Chiefs, uh, the Chargers, uh, head coach for three seasons, uh, which was like two years too long. He should have been fired after the first year. But he got fired after last year, and uh, he's looking for a defensive coordinator post, and the Rams are certainly uh, apparently interested. Meanwhile, from the NBA, the Lakers finished 7-8 and eight in the month of January. They're looking uh, to make deals or to add somebody uh, before the February 8th trade deadline. Among the uh, Lakers, uh, players the Lakers are supposedly interested in, three of the guys you watch them, if you watch the Suns and the Nets last night, Three Nets players are supposedly uh, being mentioned in trade rumors for the uh, Lakers. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, who didn't play last night because of injury, and also Royce O'Neal, who also didn't play last night because of injury. So there's two of those three guys have been nicked up of late. Meanwhile, the Lakers reportedly will try to include Austin Reeves, or actually will not include, I should say, uh, Austin Reeves in any trade which seems to be, I don't think he's a nice player, but any trade? Uh, but that's apparently the word out there. And also, the Lakers cannot trade more than one draft pick until June because of the funky little league rules, which are probably a good idea. But that's just the way it is because they've traded several draft picks in the past, recent past, like last year at the trade deadline. The Rockets are looking to be buyers before the trade deadline. That's right. The Rockets are buyers. Uh, once again, the Nets are involved here. Uh, the Nets reportedly rejected uh, the offer of two first-round picks uh, to, rec- uh, to acquire former son, Mikhail Bridges. So looks like the Nets are set on keeping Bridges, uh, which is a good idea because he's a very good player. Some of us wish that the Suns would have kept Bridges instead of maybe trading for Durant. I'm maybe the only person in Maricopa County who thinks that would be. I thought it was a good idea. Uh, I thought that was the right idea at the time that they shouldn't have made that trade, and I still think that's the case. And like I said, maybe I'm totally wrong. But I mean, I've yet to be proven wrong, in my opinion. Meanwhile, the Bulls, uh, they're looking to, you know, the Rockets are looking to acquire whoever. So a couple of the prime names out there. The uh, Bulls, Andre Drummond, and the Blazers, Robin Williams III, obviously are looking for at least one big guy. Meanwhile, the Wizards are reportedly asking for two first-round picks uh, if they want to, uh, you know, to trade Kyle Kuzma. That seems to be, I like Kyle Kuzma, loved him at Utah. Lakers, he could really help the Lakers, but they let him go in the Westbrook trade, of all people. Uh, but Kuzma, you know, the two first-round picks for Kuzma, I don't think I'd be doing that if I were an NBA team. Also, uh, college football, the University of Tennessee, might have more NCAA issues with possible NIL violations, which I didn't even realize existed, NIL violations uh, in the world of transfer portal, but apparently Tennessee might have violated what rules there are. Major League Baseball, Cal Ripken Jr., uh, thankfully is returned to the Orioles as part of the ownership group 
that bought the team this week from a previous owner, Peter Angelos, uh, who goes the owner of that uh, organization for 20 years too long, maybe 25. Uh, that was a pretty disastrous situation. Obviously, the Orioles are good now. They've got a ton of good young you know, minor leaguers coming up, the players they had last year. They're going to be an interesting team in Major League Baseball this season, made the playoffs last year. The Rangers are hopeful that World Series MVP Corey Seager, after hernia surgery, will be ready for the start of the regular season, which is at the end of March. The, uh, pot, the pot raise, I don't understand what they're doing. They've cut payroll. I can understand that part. But they signed Wandy Rodriguez, uh, Rondi Peralta, excuse me, Rondi Peralta, Wandy Peralta to a four-year contract. He's a relief pitcher. They signed him to a four-year contract. Uh, to me, the Padres are the fourth-best team in the National League West, uh, ahead of only the lowly Rockies at this point. But they signed him anyway. Justin Turner uh, is headed to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, would have been nice if uh, I think the Diamondbacks would have uh, that would have been a better choice for the Diamondbacks than Jock Peterson. Maybe they talked to him, and maybe he just uh, didn't want to come here. They didn't offer enough money. Uh, but uh, Justin Turner on to the Blue Jays, and they needed a bat. They need probably another bat. So we'll see what's happening with that. All right, that's the National Roundup for today. That's it for the Sports Zone today. Stay tuned. The next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, including more phone call time, 602 260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.